Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 24, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum, and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. A main event that was supposed to happen two years ago for an undisputed title. This time, there's no title on the line, but the winner could stamp their ticket to getting that uh that rematch against Izzy. Izzy's ran through the whole division. Now he's got to go through everyone again. The winner here is going to put themselves in a good position, Shaq. 100%. And, you know, when this fight got canceled the first time, man, it was like, it was like a knife in the gut because it was on the day of. Uh, I remember there were some people that had dog shots on Gaslam at you know, over two to one odds. And, you know, we, you know, we were disappointed and even for the Rob backers as well. So I'm glad they finally get to do it. Kelvin finally got to win that last one, finally got off this night. And, you know, Whitaker's one of the top middleweights ever. Uh, I mean, top, you know, three, four middleweights of all time, in my opinion. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in there on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, listen, Kelvin Gastelum had an 100% knockdown rate until he got to the Darren Till fight. He might be undersized for the weight class, but this guy, uh, when he shows up to fight, he shows up, and this strikes me as the kind of fight that he's going to get motivated for. And for Robert Whitaker, I feel like he's been hitting his stride once again. I mean, we were questioning if he'd come back the same after the O.L. Romero fights, uh, you know, had the Izzy fight. But, man, these last two, especially the Cannoneer fight, I feel like we're seeing the Whitaker of old, Shaq. Yeah, and I think that's because, you know, he's finally just kind of getting some consistency. You know, he was kind of off for a while, not very active. So I'm, I'm glad we're getting to see Rob Whitaker fight, you know, three times back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back fairly, you know, fairly frequently. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good to see. So we're going to break down this whole car start to finish, but first... Got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey, you. Yeah, you got Bush. You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join a ball sack beauty contest. I'm looking out for you, too, because I also have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. And you guys already know the deal. You don't want to deal with any nicks, any cuts. You don't want any bleeding. I mean, we, no one wants a bleeder, especially when it comes to shaving your balls. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0, which is what I have in my hands right now. This waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer on to help you trim up the hedges. The trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. I've been hearing that for a long time, so, you know, not putting it to the test with these Manscaped products never disappoints. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, making sure your balls smell majestic before your uh, Tinder date. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. Be sure to add their refined cologne to your arsenal. Uh, Shaq knows firsthand about how damn good that cologne smells. And with the sh with the with a perfect package or performance per, uh, package purchase, you get two free gifts: the Shed Travel Bag, which is a thirty-nine dollar. Uh, Value add, and you already know the deal. A toiletry bag goes very far. And the patented high-performance uh, reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. Those boxers are hella comfortable. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for your uh, bush trimming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code battle 20 it's 2021 and you still got bush change that with manscaped shack yeah i couldn't have said it better myself i don't know if we should be like kevin holland anymore but i think that we can all be like you know max holloway and some other guys sponsored by manscaped but we can't no longer use uh kevin holland but no one likes sweaty smelly balls so go ahead and get that manscaped use battle 20 20 percent off and some of them products, man, to, to, you know, put you back in that game. I mean, that crop, that crop preserver is only like, what, $12, $13 with the code. So, uh, you know, I, I would hop, I would hop all over that. 
Listen, quarantine is ending for a bunch of y'all. It's time to get back into the dating game, and you already know the deal. Don't don't go out there unprepared. You got to stand out above the field. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Let's get back into the game. Now, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Tony Gravely. He's 26. He's taking on the veteran Anthony Burchak, who's 15 and 7. Currently, they got... Tony Gravely minus 300. The comeback on Anthony Burchak is plus 228. So, Shaq, I mean, I I think this is one of those situations where I was kind of I was kind of under the impression that Anthony Burchak, his prime might have been back in like, you know, 2015, 2014. Cause I, I recall the amazing fight he had with Joe Soto, excuse me, not Joe Soto, with Ryan Benoit back in the MFC, which was the maximum fighting championship up in Canada. And that was like fight of the year at that point. So Anthony Burchak, when he got signed to the UFC, he was like this hot prospect. He was 10-1, and one, gets, got submitted in the first round by Ian Entwistle, knocks out Joe Soto, his next fight, then gets knocked out by Tomas Almeida, has a split decision. We all thought he lost against Delano Lopez. Then he loses his next three fights. We were thinking, hey, it's over, you know, and got a couple local wins over a couple 500 fighters. They sign him on short notice. He goes out there, he makes Gustavo Lopez look like a world beater. So, I think that Burchak, despite being a veteran, I think he's seen better days. And with Gravely, there's a misconception going around that his submission defense isn't the best. I completely disagree with that, man. I think that when you're out here having a back-and-forth war with guys like Brett Johns, who is a serious uh, grappler, when you get submitted by a specialist like Patchy Mix, who has you know, however many subs on his record, like, and even Manny Bermudez, who's also a submission specialist, like, that doesn't make me think that you have shitty submission defense. The guy also went the distance with Marab Dewalish Wheelie. I think he's a bit of a tank. I think he's a powerhouse, and I don't really think that Anthony Burchak possesses the skills to threaten Gravely um, in that area that we've seen in the past. And um, I'm also kind of in question how that Geraldo de Freitas fight was a split decision. I thought that was Tony, I thought it might have even been 30-27. So I'm going to go Gravely here to get it done. Probably unanimous decision, but it won't surprise me if he finds a finish along the way just by grinding down Anthony Burchak and getting to him at some point in the fight. I got Gravely. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Gravely could possibly be a little bit underrated, man. I think that as long as he's on this level, this lower level, I think his wrestling honestly could take a to a lot of wins on you know on this top what's Burchek like top 100 top you know I don't know but I think that uh Gravely's wrestling is good enough strong enough he's a college 131 131 you know he's a college wrestler uh App State I mean this guy's wrestling is strong his clinches are strong um yeah he might you know he has put himself in bad position a couple of times but just against a lot better guys than Anthony Burchek. Burchek does have some subs but I just don't think he's UFC caliber. I didn't think he was UFC caliber uh you know years back then maybe you know for a fight here or there too but uh you know I just I think you know, they bought him in on short notice. They needed a, a guy to step in and unfortunately I think it's going to be two out the door but I, I gravely he's too strong in the wrestling department. Anytime he shoots I think he'll get it. And, uh, you know, like you said, look at his losses. Every one of his losses are to people, you know, that are relevant. Um, I forget who the other ones were against, but, uh, I mean, I, I remember all of his losses were a very respectable fighter. So and his fight with Brett Johns, look, I mean, you put Anthony Burchek in there with Brett Johns, I mean, the fight's going to be over quick, you know. So the fact that he performed like that in his debut, Brett Johns is a guy that beat Montel, only losses to Sterling and Munoz, so – um, I think Gravely is smooth sailing against these this level type of guy. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Zara Farron. She's six and four, and Josie Ann Nunez is seven and one. Currently, they got Josie Ann Nunez minus one twenty five. The comeback on Zara Fern is plus one oh five. So, you know, at first I heard, oh man, there's this seven and one fighter fighting Zara Fern, and the seven and one fighters only lost to Tyler Santos. Her last name's Nunes. She's from Brazil. I was excited, but then man, I watched some of her fights. And firstly, she's undersized for the weight class. She's five foot two at 135 pounds. The striking wasn't the prettiest. The takedown defense isn't there, which is good because Zara Fern, that's the area she struggles. And at least with Zara Fern, 
you know, in her two UFC fights, she had to fight the last two 145 pound title challengers. And I know we, we can, we can say what we want. There's only five people in that division, but like Megan Anderson, despite the choice words I've had for her in the past, she's six foot one and weighs like 170 pounds on fight day. Whereas Josie Ann Nunes, like I said, she's five foot two. She should be dropping two weight classes here. So even though Zara Fern hasn't been the best, I think it's been a product of the opponent she's been fighting. And I, I also know that she's undefeated at 135 pounds. I actually think she's live for the upset here. I think that she can stay long. She's five foot eight. She's got a six inch height advantage. She's got a five inch reach advantage as well. And uh, she's actually 10 years older, which is not good, but it is what it is. I'm going to go with Zara Fern here to, to get this one done. Probably unanimous decision. Yeah, um, I really haven't looked into this one too much at all, actually. Um, yeah, Sarah Fern, too, for, you know, first Felicia. Felicia, I mean, Cyborg couldn't even finish her, and Nunes couldn't finish her. So um, we know how tough Felicia is. Megan's, like you said, tall, and I guess she would be top, you know, two or three in that weight class. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just pick Sarah Fern just due to UFC experience as well. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Austin Hubbard, he's 12 and 5, and Dakota Bush is 8 and 2. Currently, they got Austin Austin Hubbard minus 185. The comeback on Dakota Bush is plus 160. So Dakota's uh nickname is Harry. His name is Dakota Harry Bush. So Dakota, if you're listening, we'd love to introduce you to our sponsor, Manscaped. Make sure you go to manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. It'll definitely help with that Harry Bush. But as far as this fight is concerned, Shaq, listen, Austin Hubbard's battle-tested. That's the bottom line here. Dakota Bush is taking this on a week notice. But Austin isn't necessarily the most dangerous guy out there. So how you see this one playing out? It's going to be a good fight because I think Hubbard is kind of on that borderline where I don't really know – I feel like guys like him eventually end up washing out. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing he really does. He, he's what I like to see. You know, he's a he I. You know, he I. Ain't nothing really to. Uh, I mean, he's just an average fighter at best. I mean, maybe below average at best. Uh, what is he? His only wins over are against uh, Kyle Prepper, like who's not no longer in the UFC. And that fight, you know, he won that fight due to the takedowns. And then the uh, Max Roshkov fight, which we know Max sat on the stool in between rounds. Um, kid had no business being inside this company. Five fights against absolutely nobody. So Dakota Bush is a little better. He's actually fought real guys out there. Um, his last two opponents, he steamrolled them uh, accordingly. Um, and, and man, I really don't know. I don't know too too much about him. But man, I looked at his Instagram. I mean, he's he's friends with some some uh, some pretty important people. I mean, I see him, you know, taking pictures with Mavzar out here. You know, he. Um, Mazvar comments on like all of his. I mean, if a, if a guy like Mazvar is commenting on his pictures, I, I mean, I'm curious. Uh, you know what? What do I know that uh, that uh, you know what do they know that I don't know? You know, so uh, and then you know he actually cornered. Uh, he's got he, he cornered uh, Jay Collier in his uh, fight against John Vellante. So he he's been you know around. Um, look, I think that Dakota Bush is the much more dangerous fighter. I think he's got more power in his hands. I feel like he's willing to take more chances, but he is taking this fight on short notice and we don't necessarily know how his cardio is. He fought in January, I believe. Um, this is a short notice fight, but Austin Hubbard, I would feel like this is like a good short notice opportunity possibly coming in, you know, coming into, I don't think this is a Max Roshkov situation. Like Max Roshkov, like he didn't, he only fought, you know, you know, the, the, the snow cone vendor at the, uh, you know, at the baseball game, the peanut guy, you know. So I, I, I think that uh, Dakota Bush is live here for an upset if he's in shape. If he's not in shape, then Hubbard will probably win down this stretch just due to his overall MMA game. He, he, he kind of has the Curtis Blades level changes. I, I, you know, I think he hesitates. Just not very good in any particular area. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dakota Bush for the upset. I think this should be lined a little bit closer. I'm assuming it's not just because Hubbard has been in there with guys like Hamish and Marco Matson and um, Selecki, who's on a roll right now. Um, but man, I'm gonna go with Dakota Bush. I think that the momentum is on his side. I feel like Austin Hubbard might be a little bit down on himself right now, and, and I just think that the Dakota Bush comes out here and steamrolls him fairly early. Yeah, I mean, that could happen. Dakota Bush 
this definitely ain't no Max Roshkoff. You're right about that. Um, this guy deserves to be in the UFC. Looks strong for the weight class. Um, good wrestling. You can get the job done early as well. My concern is, you know, him taking it on a week short notice. I think that the first round, I think Dakota Bush is going to come out here and win this first round, honestly. Maybe even get a finish too. But, you know, being on short notice versus a guy who trains in that Denver elevation, I think that Austin Hubbard can take over in the second and third round. I know, you know, we've joked around, called him harmless Hubbard. The reason why is because, you know, he's, he's not going to knock anybody out. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's not going to drop anybody with punches or anything like that. Um, but he's still been in there with tough competition. He's got good cardio. He's well-rounded. He's just, he's he's average. He's all right. He's solid, whatever. Yeah, he, he, I... yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, that's how you describe it. Um, if Dakota had a full camp, then then I'd really, really be interested. He might win anyways because, you know, it's, you know, you know the deal. But I'm going to go Hubbard to lose the first round, get the second and third, kind of edge it out slightly on the scorecards just because he's the fresher guy, more experienced guy, more seasoned. But uh, Dakota definitely deserves to be there, so I'm interested to see how he rebounds. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Gerald GM3 Mearshart. He's 31 and 14. He's taking on Bartosz the Butcher Fabinski, who's 15 and 4. Currently, they got Bartosz minus 130. The comeback on Gerald Mearshart is plus 110. I mean, Shaq, one thing we can agree on is Bartosz is not only going to get takedowns in this fight, but he's going to win the minutes of this fight. However, you might get caught with something along the way. You know, GM3 is trying to break the record for most subs in middleweight history. So this one's pretty clear cut. It's just a matter of which side you're taking. So which side are you taking? Yeah, man, it's a tough one because, like you said, Bartos, he's always in control for the most part, always the aggressor, always the guy on top. Um, and, and, you know, his last fight he got subbed by Meniz, but we know Meniz is one of the more serious black belts in the UFC um, Mershart's a serious black belt, but he's one of those black belts that, you know, it's, uh, it's a little different, you know, he, yeah, he's got a lot of subs, but he, you know, he's been subbed as well. Um, I think Bartos, man, it's tough because it's a tough game to play because Mershart, I don't know if, if, man, I kind of, I've been having feelings for a while that Mershart might wash out of here at some point. Just because I really don't see much improvement in his game. The same same with Bartos as well. But Bartos has a straightforward style that gets right to the point. And um it's gonna be tough. Look, if if Gerald can get a, a neck, a Dars, Bartos might tap quick. I mean, the times that we've seen him in, in uh these uh submission spots, I mean he taps fairly quick. Um it's just that is Gerald in good condition to be betting, man. I mean, that last fight against, I know it was against uh, Kamzat Chamayo, but I mean, that was a vicious knockout. The fight prior to that, he also got knocked out in the first round. Not that he's going to get knocked out here, but sometimes his performances just can be, uh, you know, very like, damn, you know. But at the same time, he's got wins over Trevin. I mean, he's done a uh, more impressive wins than Bartos, in my opinion. So I, I think it should be lined a pick him, but my man. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with Gerald. I think that maybe he loses the first two rounds and maybe Marto starts to fatigue down the stretch and maybe he can uh, sprawl on a shot and possibly get get a sub and uh, things along that nature. But it wouldn't surprise me if he laid a neck either, man. Um, I feel like he could possibly be in that stage of his career. Um, has had a lot of fights. How many fights has he had? Like over a lot. Um you know, so uh, who knows? But I, I'm a I'm a picture, and I think at some point Bartos will will mess up and leave his neck in there, and Gerald will catch us up. But um, you know, we'll see what happens. I got to give a quick shout out to Moy's Audio for donating fifty dollars to the channel. Uh, just turned on the donations recently. I still don't know how to access that. I'm still learning about it, but thank you very much. That means a lot. That hell uh, yeah, support us like that. Thank Moise you so much. Audio. Yeah, thank you very much, Moy's. Um, so as far as this fight's concerned, I mean, like I could realistically see it going either way. Like if Gerald does not submit Bartosz, she's probably losing this fight. However, Bartosz is going to give him every opportunity and then some to, to, you know, to latch onto that neck somehow to do whatever it takes to get his 24th career submission. That's how many subs Gerald has. But I agree with you, man. Those last two, like, it doesn't matter to me if it was Ian and, and and Hamza. Like, just the way that Gerald looked in those fights was was really bad. What was a step that, like, what was a sign that it's like, hey, maybe he's seen better days. And there's nothing wrong with that. The guys, like you said, he's had 50 pro fights. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
But man, if there's one fight he can win, it's this one just because Bartos is for 15 straight minutes when he's putting his head in Gerald's crotch, he's going to leave his neck open for that, for a, for a guillotine, for a Darsh, for an anaconda, maybe a triangle, arm bar, whatever the case may be. So I'm going to go with Gerald to get it done along the way. But if Gerald gets grinding out for 15 straight minutes, that's not going to surprise me either because I think he is starting to get to that point um, in his career. So. We'll see what happens, but I'll, I'll say Gerald catches him with something opportunistic. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got Jessica Pinay. She's 12 and 5. She's taking on Lupita Godinez, who's 5 and no. Currently, they got Lupita Godinez minus 300. The comeback on Jessica Pinay is plus 230. So, one thing I can say about Lupita Godinez, um, she's got pretty decent hands. Um, she was really tagging up that Vanessa Dumopoulos girl up on a LFA in a title fight. And she has, you know, the style to come out here and batter Jessica Panay. I just have questions about what happens if this hits the mat because, you know, the competition Lupita was fighting was very subpar, man. So, you know, Jessica Panay takes the back and I can't 100% tell you I'm confident that Lupita survives, you know. And the reason I got to bring this stuff up is because she's minus 300. But I do think that on the feet, Lupita is going to piece up Jessica. Her hands definitely look pretty crisp that last fight. Granted, she was fighting a not UFC caliber fighter, but... That's still the path to be someone like Jessica. Just put that volume on her from the jump. And I think Lupita is definitely tougher, too. And Jessica was out here doing some shit that I don't even know the half of. Like, like, what does it mean to change your biological passport? I feel like we've talked about this three times. I still don't know what the fuck that means. So that just means Jessica was in deep to whatever she was doing. She's getting close to 40 years old. She's on her way out. I mean, I was fading her with people like Danielle Taylor, you know, like three, four years ago, you know, so I got Lupita for sure, but it's just, you know, you're talking over minus 300. I got questions about what happens if this hits the mat um, for sure, but I'll, I'll go with Lupita regardless to get it done. Yeah, I got a little more conviction, man. I, I think that this firstly is a much, uh, this is a tougher fight for Panay than um, Hannah Goldie that she had uh, a few weeks ago. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't convinced Hannah Goldie was going to beat her. Um, you know, I was I was like, man, that, this one's kind of close. Hannah Goldie was, you know, very harmless as where Lupita, man, she gets in there and she she throws them hammers very green. You know, what, five, six fights in her career? But for those five, six fights, man, I feel like she's at a very talented level. I hear she's been training in that elevation in Colorado as well. I think Panay, when you watch her fights, I mean, what could we – either it's either, you know, she's had, what, how many years? Two, three years to maybe even more to – to reset her body, reset her mindset. Maybe that's the thing. But a part of me feels like, man, this is just a, a grab at money. I know that she was uh, not like, like she, you know, she's out here. She, she desperately needs money. But I just remember, you know, she spent a lot of money on the USADA case. Um, I honestly think that, look, some of these invic former Invicta champs, like the Stone Age type of fighters, they come into the, to the UFC and they go over and they go out the door. Um, she actually does have a UFC win over Random Marcos, and and I agree. This is, um, I guess her her most green, her, the most green opponent that she's ever fought in her career. But at the same time, going into her last fight, you could almost say the same things. Daniel Taylor was what, you know, one in one at the time in the UFC. Um, you know, not I mean, only a couple fights, short, tiny, also harmless. Um, you know, Danielle Taylor, it wasn't, you know, known for being too dang. Actually, she did rock Wiley Zhang, if I, uh, if I remember, uh, in, the, in, her, in her debut. So let me take that back. But, um, but man, I just think that Jessica Penney has that kind of commitment issue. Like she half commits, you know, even if she's in good spot, she, I think there's a, I think Jessica Penney, uh, not Jessica and Draj and Joanna and Jacek, we just can't forget the type of beatings that those were, man. I think that when you, you know, take beatings like that where the nose, uh, you know, now starts to bust up open very easily and it just caused, I just see a lot of hesitancy. I see a lot of half commitment, a lot of uh, fighting with chains on is like I, I like to describe it. Like she's shadow boxing. She ain't really committing to anything. And I think that's probably going to be the same thing here. Um, like as she comes from a stone age, I mean, Jessica Benet was, I think Jessica Benet fought on like the very first Bellator show. I mean, that's like, that's how long she'd been fighting, man. So, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I like Lupita, man, for, for now and the future. I think she's a, a short little tank, kind of like a Julia Avila, like, a um, you know, just a big little banger. And, and I think that she's might even knock Jessica Benet out, man. I, 
I wouldn't be shocked if she overwhelmed her with punches and, and Herzog, you know, went in there and stepped, stopped the, you know, stopped the fight. Um, Jessica Benet, she's been taking a lot of damage and like that Daniel Taylor fight. I mean, that was that was bad in my opinion. I mean, she just kept walking forward, taking shots, and you know, she made an adjustment in the third round with the takedown. But I mean, she was a black belt. Daniel Taylor was a blue belt, and she didn't do anything. So, I mean, hey, I'm gonna go with Lupita Gonzalez uh, to knock Jessica Benet out. Speaking of Herzog, you know, the Joanna and the Andrade fights were both stopped way too late, man. Like, they got uncomfortable to watch uh, the kind of whooping she took in both of those. And that's probably why she was out here changing her biological passport and doing all those things. But, I mean, you're right. This is going to be a tougher fight than Goldie. But, you know, the line reflects that as well. It's not it's not a pick em anymore. It is minus 300. But, yeah, I got Lupita as well. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got... A matchup between two prospects. We got Alexander Romanov. He's 13-0. He's taking on Juan Espino, who's 10-1. Currently, they got Alexander Romanov, minus 135. The comeback on Juan Espino is plus 115. I said two prospects. Uh, Espino's like 41 or something, but dude's a badass. Dude looked in the best shape he's ever been in his last fight. And Romanov, you already know the deal with him. Um, I highly doubt either guy's going to get a schoolyard headlock on each other, but uh, Shaq, oftentimes when you get two you know, high-level grapplers like this, they end up standing and banging. Like, I know you remember what happened. Remember when Mike Pierce and Ryan LaFleur were considered the two most boring <laughs> uh, grapplers, and then they get matched up against each other, and they start banging for 15 straight minutes? So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens here, even though it is heavyweight. Uh, how you see this one going down? Man, this is a... I'm, I'm a little perplexed on this fight, just because I'm not saying that Juan Espino is overrated or any of those things, but I'm just surprised at the amount of, maybe it's just me, but I'm seeing a lot of Romanov fades this week, and I'm I'm just a little curious as to why, like, what reason do we have to fade, to fade King Kong Romanov right now? I mean, King, uh, King Kong Romanov looks like a future top 15 heavyweight in, in my eyes, um, and I don't necessarily feel that about Juan Espino. Look, Espino's good. He ran through some good guys on contingency, but let me just let me just list off the guys real quick. Maurice Green can. Jeff Hughes can. Everyone on that on that on his heavyweight season of tough, I mean, was a can. I mean, tell me the only successful guy is Espino. Um, I mean, Maurice Green is like the second best heavyweight from that from that season, right? Because yeah. I mean, when we're talking, I'm talking dudes like Ben Sassali was on that season. Can uh, I, I can't even, didn't even finish Sassali either. I, I, I'm a little perplexed on this one. Um, I think Alexander Romanov is not only gonna win, but he's gonna show people, you know, there's a difference between the Moldovan Russian area style of wrestling and Juan Espino style of wrestling. No offense to Juan Espino, I think he's a good fighter, but you know. Man, I, I just think Alexander Romano was just slightly a little bit more well-rounded, a little bit more steady. Um, I know he is like Chuck, but I'm not. I, I'm. I, I thought it could have even been a little wider. Juan Espino is what forty years old. Not. I mean, uh, heavyweights. We we definitely seen guys like that um, have success. Uh, a little older at heavyweight for sure. But I just think Alexander Romano is a is a different beast. You know the tape. I mean, yeah. I see a lot of people saying he's just one dimensional. He's just all he can do is get the takedowns. But I, I think I see potential for striking to be good as well. I don't think we've seen it yet, but I, I just don't think we. This is a guy people should be fading. You know, I know Juan Espino won tough, but like I said, this season of tough is one of the more shittier seasons uh, out there. I mean, the girl, the girls on that on that season were a lot better, like Chase on and and um Penny Kianzad and you know they actually had a, a couple of uh you know ranked uh, ranked fighters as were the heavyweights. I mean they were they were you know Dana Dana says hey we need heavyweights so you know they uh, <laughs> they took uh, they just took anybody but I'm gonna go with Alexander Romanov. I just think that he's gonna be the stronger guy uh down the stretch early. Um Kind of, I think he's just gonna win the wrestling battle, the clinch battle uh, against Juan Espino. I know Espino's been dominating these guys, but I think Alexander Romano was a different ball game. So I'm going with Romano to to finish Juan Espino. Firstly, shout out to Juan Espino. He and I share a birthday. It's just he's nine years older than me, but that's pretty cool. Uh, both Libras, uh, so you already know the deal. But I mean, listen. I 
I, I just always thought that Romanov was kind of better than Espino from the jump. I like Espino, though. He's a badass. I mean, you're coming out here getting schoolyard headlocks in the UFC, and I fuck with you. And then you got Romanov on the other side with forearm chokes. Like, these guys are badass. Um, the suplexes, belly to back, um, the ankle picks. They got a whole – the throws. They got a whole bunch of tools in their arsenals. Oftentimes, when you get two grapplers like this, they end up standing and trading. Um not, not going to lie, both their uh, stand-up didn't look the prettiest because they're so damn dominant with their wrestling that it doesn't even matter. But in this spot, the wrestling might cancel itself out. Might. The reason I say might is because one of these guys might land a takedown early just to kind of mess with the confidence of the other guy to be like, hey, I'm the superior grappler here, actually. So, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, firstly, shout-out to Abu Dhabi for the $19.99 donation. I really appreciate that. That's really nice of you. I still I need to Shout figure out, out how to access. Shout out yeah, to th- Thank you so much. I need to figure out how to access these, but you guys are helping out. Once I do, you guys are helping out the channel tremendously. Um yeah, like I was just under the impression that Romanov was just was better than uh than Espino. So I'm gonna go with him for that reason. But when I'm kind of like visualizing the fight, like I'm I'm really not sure how it's gonna go down. Like, like I don't really see Romanov like coming out here establishing a jab and like leg kicking him or like I think it could be ugly to be honest with you. Um, but I've always thought that Romanov has a higher ceiling, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take him for that reason. But yeah, it should be a really good fight. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Tracy Cortez. She's eight and one. She's taking on Justine Keish, who's seven and three. Currently, they got Tracy Cortez minus two seventy five. The comeback on Justin Keish is plus two thirty five. So, I'm a fan of Justin Keish, man. I mean, she always comes to fight every single time. She goes forward. She's aggressive. She's got good Muay Thai. That's the thing I've always liked about her. She's relentless. Um, used to train at Black House back in the day. Has wins over Nina Ansaroff, Randa Marco. So she's been in there. She's beat some legit people. This just seems like kind of a tough stylistic matchup for her. I mean, look, I know that Justin Keish is the much more experienced fighter here, and you know, she's been in there with better competition, no doubt about it. Um, but stylistically speaking, she's so aggressive, which is what I love about her style. But she's going to go forward. She's going to attack Tracy Cortez. And I think that's going to, you know, that's going to give the the openings for the entries to the takedowns. And from there, I see Tracy Cortez staying on top. Now, if Tracy Cortez decides that, hey, this is going to be the first fight where I fight uncharacteristically and I test my stand up out, well, then then Justin Keish can come out here and win this fight. But one thing I like about Tracy Cortez is that she stays true to her style. She doesn't take any unnecessary risks. She doesn't fight out of character. So perfect. So when Justin Keish gets over aggressive, duck under, take her down, stay on top, and win this fight. So I'm going to go with Tracy Cortez here uh, via unanimous decision, Shaq. Yeah, I like Tracy Cortez, man. I think that she has the potential to be uh... – to be a ranked fighter at some point and she's dropping back down the flyweight uh her natural weight class um justin quiche man i kind of think she's on a decline a little bit man i, I know she was uh, her fight with uh i really wasn't impressed with her fight against lucy putalova the felice herrick fight when she got 30 25 shit herself um and the putalova fight i just thought it was more to just you know she is she i'll, I'll say she's got activity um, she's, you know, she's got activity. Um, she throws a lot, but I think she's over aggressive. Her footwork's very bad. Her, her striking defense is not very good, um, but she's tough. Um, and, and she'll get in there and, you know, fight like you said. Um, but, you know, with, with team Cejudo behind Tracy, you know, we're talking Angel Cejudo, Henry Cejudo's big brother is actually her wrestling coach eddie chas her striking coach santino is her head coach you know i support fight ready all day man i think they'll have the game plan for this one and she's working with neuroforce one too so you know tracy ain't playing no games to to come back down to 125 i think this is a tailor-made opponent um i think sabina mazo and keith the reason why that fight's so close is because sabina mazo just kind of is a slow starter she kind of has a hesitancy issue as well but I just see Tracy Cortez, even though it might be a meat and potatoes fighting style, you know, simple wrestling uh, clinch and, and all that good stuff. I think her boxing is going to, you know, get better here. I think she's working with Eddie Child like fully, fully now um, from what I understand. So I expect to see some improvements in that area. And, and I think Justin Keish is the type of fighter that you can uh, show those improvements on. Um, she gets hit a lot. She just got she got knocked out or tapped out. It was a submission, right? Um, yeah, submission, right? Against Mazo. 
but she got dropped yeah. with a she got dropped with a head kick. Um, and then what about her fights with Gian Kim? Um, you know, she's had some very lackluster performances as of late. Even the Ashley Yoder fight was, you know, coming down to the wire. I feel like she's had a big drop off since the Andra fight. And I know even a lot of people thought that that fight was controversial as well. Um, so I'm going Tracy, Tracy Cortez a little bit more confidently. I just think Cortez, I don't want to say it's the full package, but I just think she's got the higher ceiling and she's better currently. So I'm going with Tracy Cortez to, to win another unanimous decision. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena. He's eight and three, and Alex Munoz is six and one. Currently, they got Luis Pena minus one fifty-five. The comeback on Alex Munoz is plus one thirty-five. So, Shaq. So I, I gotta know, man, is it a case where Luis Pena, where hey, he got into the UFC early, he's kind of green, he's taking some time off, he trains at ATT, now he's gonna come out here and show off that hey, he's the more seasoned guy here, or is it a case of hey? He's fighting a D1 wrestler in Alex Munoz. This is a terrible matchup for Luis Pena. Uh, what, what do you think, man? Yo, I, you're muted, bro. Oh, my bad. My bad. Um, it's a tough one for me, man, because at, at one point I was very high on Luis Pena. I mean, I've been knowing about Luis Pena since before the UFC. So, because, uh, you know, he used to talk shit to one of our homies. Um, um, you know, Rob back in the day, and uh, <laughs> you know, he uh, and he made it to the UFC. Actually, uh, Max bet him in his debut against Richie Small, and he got the win there. But since then, man, it, it, I don't know what to make of Luis because I've been waiting on these improvements. Maybe it maybe it's taken longer. But what what really what I don't like, I think Luis is very emotional, man. Um, in the cage and, and outside the cage. I mean, just. Uh, you know, I see him going back and forth with, you know, with people on Twitter. And I think he needs to drop this violent Bob Ross thing, man, honestly. Um, luckily for him, Alex Munoz is an opponent that's on his level. Alex Munoz is very green. Um, look, Alex Munoz has a hell of a, a blast double leg. I mean, the, the first one that he hit, Pack Paras with, I mean, I was like, damn. So he so he is an Oklahoma wrestler. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I can vouch for his double leg. The other parts of his game I'm not impressed with. I think he needs to fight lower-level competition than Hack Paras. So this is an even fight. Um, the way Luis Pena lost to Kama Worthy is what I'm – I know Kama, I know Kama Worthy is much more experienced, got more fights – than Munoz and some of these guys, but it was the manner in which he lost that kind of bothers me by submission. Um, and, and, you know, Kamaworthy's a guy that's got absolutely no chin. And, and you know, the, the more fights we got to see from Kamaworthy, we, we are kind of starting to figure out that, you know, he was he just had a little hot streak and he, he really isn't UFC level, man. Um, so, I mean, you can starch by Jamie Malarkey in less than a minute. And, and uh, you know, so I think Luis Pena, man, he's got a he's got a lot to proving. And, you know, I think the UFC, honestly, man, they were matching him up with Jakar for his last fight. I think the UFC might be might be done with him, too. I, I'm not sure. Maybe they said the, the Luis Pena experience didn't work out, man. <laughs> you know, uh, and I just don't like how he's going back and forth with these fans on fight week. Um Look, I think he, he's honestly a better overall fighter than Alex Munoz. I think Munoz is a little one-dimensional. But one thing I'll say about Munoz, man, is he, he's a tough. He's a, he's tough because his fight with Troy Lampson, even though I think Troy Lampson isn't as good as his record, you know, I did see a lot of pushing through in that fight. His wrestling was on point. Um, you know, I think look, he's got a path of victory for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's you know kept him at, at at distance with his range and landed the knees up the middle but i mean i'd be what's the line like luis minus 175 180 somewhere something like oh, that 150 150 um i can't play slight chalk on luis i think he's a very emotional fighter i think he's got a lot of things going on in that head of his um i look luis came to the ufc with the impression that he he was going to take over. Like, I, I know that for a fact. And, you know, he, he said, he said, we'll see. I'm going I'm to pick, I'm going to still pick him for the win. I think Alex Munoz is kind of like, you know, he's a coach at Alpha Male. He's kind of like one of these fighters slash coaches. Is he, I'm not saying that he's not fully committed, but, you know, he's just kind of, 
if he can't cling on to to Alex Munoz for 15, uh, to Luis Pena for fifteen minutes and avoid the subs, um, then I see him getting the win. But I, I I'm a pick Luis. I I still think he's a better fighter. But from a betting perspective, I honestly think it's dog or pass. Luis has shown you time in and time out that when the going gets tough, he does not respond. Kama Worthy and then broke him. I mean that was a breaking. That it wasn't even like Kama Worthy clipped him with anything, man. He like I said, he won. He won by submission. Um, I think that wasn't that common word. He's only submission in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they know well, I, one of them. And then the Matt Frivola fight, you know, everyone thinks that was a robbery, but I, the reason why Frivola won is because he just wanted it more, man. I mean, that, uh, I hate to break it to you, but I mean, yeah, Luis landed that flying knee, but what about the other two rounds? You know, Matt Frivola out hustled him, Matt, Mike Trezano out hustled him. Um, we'll see what Alex Munoz does, but it's. This is a dog or a pass situation. Um, I, I can't lay slight, slight chalk on Luis Pena. It might be a dog or pass situation because, I mean, Munoz definitely got the D1 background. We know Pena, despite him having a wrestling background, too, he's got the wrestling tattoo, the USA Wrestling. His takedown defense ain't the best. Um, I am glad that Luis Pena has been training at ATT. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with AKA. I think AKA is a great gym, but since Habib retired, a lot of the lighter weight guys aren't training there anymore. So it's kind of just like the bigger guys. Whereas at ATT, he's got a lot of good looks with Poirier. He's got Gamrod. He's got Moicano. So a lot of people closer to his size there to work with. So that's good. He's also had 10 months off. He's only 27 years old. He's got a lot more UFC experience than Munoz. So I expect him to come out here better. Um, it, it, it's just a uh, you know, and I like this matchup better than the Dracar Close fight. I felt like Dracar Close was, you know, too experienced for a guy like Luis Pena, whereas Munoz has had less than eight pro fights. You know, and he's had less than ten pro fights. So this is the kind of opponent that Luis Pena should be fighting. If he does not pass this test, then we write him off completely. Um, I, I think he can win this fight. Just don't get grinded out. I think he's got the more volume on the feet. Um, I think he's got some tricky attacks. It's just about you know, Alex Munoz can possibly grind him out. He's got the credentials to do so. Um, he's got a plaque on his wall that says he can take down Luis Pena. So that's what we got to be worried about. But um, I'm going to still go with Luis Pena to, to to get it done via decision. But yeah, it's a sketchy fight, as you can hear, by the way, I'm breaking it down. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He's 10 and 3. He's taking on Jacob Malkoon, who's 4 and 1. Currently, they got Razak minus 290. The comeback on Jacob Malkoon is plus 245. So, look, I respect anybody that steps inside the cage, whether it's the UFC, the NFC, does not matter. So, Jacob Malkoon has my respect just for being a fighter. But I kind of don't think he belongs in the UFC. I honestly don't think he'd win the NFC belt. I got Doug Usher over um, Jacob Malkoon with confidence. And this fight really has nothing to do with Jacob Malkoon at all. This fight has everything to do with Razak. Like... If Razak loses this fight, that's not because Jacob Malkoon is some prospect. That just means that Razak has seen better days, which I hope is not the case, man. You know, after going through what he went through, it's not just, you know, the accusations and all that, but like two years, uh, a two-year mental toll to have to deal with that. Um, it, it's got to take a lot out from you. And, you know, his next two fights, he misses weight. He doesn't look his best. Well, now he's moving up a weight class. I'm hoping that he found himself again. I heard that he's been talking to someone. I heard that Kamaru Usman went out of his way to help him out. So I think we see a better Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. If you can just show me a glimpse, just 1% of the Razak that I know and love, he's going to come out here and starch this guy in the first exchange. And if it gets extended, I still got Raz I got Razak, period, point blank, anywhere the fight goes. Um, this guy, Jacob Malkoon, is only in the UFC because he's Robert Whitaker's boy. Basically, Jacob Malkoon is to Robert Whitaker what Chris Avila is to the Diaz brothers, what Artem Lobov is to Conor McGregor. So I got Razak via first-round knockout. Um, but yeah, you know, the line's wide. That's why we got we to gotta bring up every single, every single little factor. But I still think Razak knocks this guy out viciously. So I'll go Razak. Yeah, I faded uh, Jacob Malkoon in his debut against Haas. Just, you know, basically for those reasons, not ready for the UFC. I think his promotion out there, I forget, what is it, Hex or one of them promotions? Yeah. Uh, I'm very sus uh, suspect on some of those guys as well um, in the UFC. Um, and I think that, you know, his fight prior to Phil Haas, I guess, is what I kind of have to base his, his potential off of i mean look he fought a can and he 
he beat his ass for sure, but you know, he's still learning, man. I, he's skipping a lot of steps, you know, he should have fought a couple more guys, but they rushed it. It's like, you know, I think I said before the first fight, quote unquote, it's like when they bring in Diaz's training partner, you know, <laughs> you know how they bring in a, uh, in a, in a Diaz training partner and the dude's like a complete bum, uh, AKA Chris and Vila. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I took advantage of that. So into this fight, look, I agree. It, it really ain't even about Jacob. It's just about the price. Like, is Jacob Malhoon first? Yeah, I, 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 in 2021, I feel like Phil Hawes is a much more dangerous opponent mentally, physically, the whole the whole bit than um, Razak Alassane. And I'm and I'm kind of not too surprised that Razak Alassane had us. I mean, so like you said, two years off, all that all that shit he went through. Um, I mean that, that 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 whole you know dilemma: Am I going to jail? Not going to jail, man. That thing will stress you out to a point where uh, I mean you can change completely as a person, man. So um, who knows if Razak. The, the thing I'm concerned about, man, not only if the fight gets extended, but just that Razak style, it, it, unless he's, you know, coming into this fight a little bit more chilled out, his style is somewhat fairly easy to prepare for. I mean, you know what the deal is. I mean, he's going to come out here. He's going to come uh, swinging these bombs. And, I mean, he's never won a fight down the stretch ever in the EOC. I mean, it's either first round, early KO, or bust with this guy. And, you know, he's moving up to 85, and some people could look at that as, uh, you know, because he missed weight the last two fights. But, you know, one could also look at that as in, man, Razak Alassane, 5'9", 5'10", moving up to 185. I mean, is this a sign of more laziness, of more, is he training? I, I don't see this guy taking any uh, training pictures, at least, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I think that, you know, the price minus, unless, Jay, look, Jacob Malhoun, there's nothing I mean, I guess at best I could say he's just a I. He's got I skills. I mean, he's he's a jujitsu a purple belt, brown belt, or something like that. Um, you know, I'm of course I'm a pick Razakalasan for the win, but what it comes down to is, is he gonna come out here and fully knock this guy? You know, Malkoon and them are probably gonna come from a lot more prepared just the way due to the first uh, the way that that first fight went. But you know, I, I view Chaos Williams and um, who's the uh, Munir uh, Lazes, but man, those like the fact that he's even like and he ain't even losing. I mean, it's just like man, that's a big drop off for him. Um, Munir Lazes is like average at best. Chaos Williams, you know, he's he's good. Um, I'll pick Razak to knock this guy out though. Um, I think he might have to work a little bit harder, a little a little bit. I think he might have to work a little bit harder than people expect. I don't I don't see I don't see. Malcolm coming out here and getting knocked out in the first, uh, you know, 20 seconds again, like he did the first fight. And like I said, Phil Hawes physically, mentally, spiritually, is just a much more tougher fight mm -hmm. in 2021. Um, but I will take Razak Khalasan, but uh, we'll see if that price is warranted on, on fight night. Let me just say this regarding the size, because, you know, a lot of these middleweights are fucking huge. So Razak, you know, long term at middleweight you know he, he's probably gonna be too small but he's actually bigger than this guy he's taller than this guy he's got a longer reach than this guy so jacob malcoon might actually need to drop a weight class as well just throwing that out there now featured bout in the heavyweight division we got andre the pitbull arlovsky he's 30 and 20 he's taking on chase sherman who's 15 and 6 currently they got andre minus 120 the comeback on chase sherman's plus 100 Shaq, it's been a long time since we've gotten plus money to fade Arlovsky. You know, I looked to fade Arlovsky almost every fight. However, he's kind of fighting this punching bag named Chase Sherman who's coming off a steroid suspension. We don't know how Chase Sherman's going to look. I mean, is he going to look like the guy who fought Ike Villanueva? I know we could say what we, want, uh, what we want about Ike, but that was the best Chase Sherman we've ever seen. He was also on the Flintstone Vitamins that fight. He is getting better. He's got He's got some experience at this point. Sometimes it's been uncomfortable watching some of these Chase Sherman fights. Like his UFC debut versus Justin Ledet. I know he got off on a lot of leg kicks, but like he was eating such clean shots that it was like you like you were like Chase, man, like move your head, dude. Like so, I don't know. What do you think, man? You've been really spot on with these Arlovsky fights. So, what do you think about this one? Man, it's a tough one because I, I think Arlovsky's days are numbered after that last one. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he does get his ass beat a lot and come back a lot. So, I mean, maybe this is a standard business. Chase Sherman, yeah, he looked good his last fight. 
But man, we can't forget, even in that bare knuckle promotion, my boy Chase Sherman was struggling to move his head against some of those guys in bare knuckle <laughs> against some against some cans. I forget who it was that he fought, but it was like a draw, if I'm not mistaken, um, in bare knuckle. Um, but anyways, man, yeah, Chase Sherman, one thing I always liked about Chase Sherman is the boy can kick. I mean, boy can definitely kick. His low kicks are definitely money. Um, his calf kicks, I mean, I guess that would be his path to victory here. He can land a lot of them as well. It's just a matter of uh, he gets a little too happy with them, and then he starts getting countered with the straights. And we know Arlovsky's a good, sharp, fast counter counter puncher. Um, look, this ain't Tom Aspinall anymore for sure. This ain't, um, you know, I think this is close to like a, a Tanner Bozer. But even the Tanner Bozer fight was close. Like, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like somebody got their ass beat or anything. It was just a, a highly contested point battle. I see it being more along the lens, uh, Bozer. I think it's going to be close, you know. I think if you're thinking like, yeah, I got a discount on Arlovsky, I, I honestly think it could possibly be a trap just due to the fact that the dude's super old. What's the age gap in this fight? I mean, I'm assuming it's uh, quite a lot. Um Chase Sherman did look the best he ever has. We'll see how he uh, does without the steroids, but um, ten years. You know, I, I just still can't. You know, I only want to play Arlovsky is if he's if he's big dog money. You know, uh, I think the Tanner Bozer fight was like the perfect spot. You know, um, or some of these other fights, but I, I think that uh, I'm I'm actually going Chase Sherman in this one. Surprisingly, um, I just think a little bit more momentum on his side. It's going to be tough, man, but I think it could possibly be a trap. Like, those lines, like, <coughs> it's like Chase Sherman and Arlovsky's only only minus 120 against him, you know, and you, and you fire off on it, and then, then you realize why, because Andre Arlovsky's only got a couple fights left. Um, I wonder how many times he can pick himself up from these lines, because I actually thought the Aspinall performance, um, I mean, Aspinall's just a completely different beast, but, you know, he got he got he got dominated, man. He got he got beat on pretty good. Um, we'll see what happens with this Chase Sherman fight, but I think Chase Sherman comes out here in a highly contested point battle, lands more kicks. Um, it's gonna be close, but I seen him actually weaseling out the the close decision. So I'm going with Chase. Man, so I've faded Arlovsky six times. Um, I bet Marcin Tybura and won, bet Walt Harris and won, bet Philippe Linz lost, bet Tom Aspinall won, and then lost on Bozer and Travis Brown. So I've had some mixed results um, fading Arlovsky. Now, this is an interesting spot because it's like, on one hand, you get dog money to fade Arlovsky. Normally, you got to lay fucking minus 250 to, to fade him. So this might be a good spot for Sherman on the other side of things you know sherman is among kind of the lower level guys that that arlovsky's fought throughout his career but i, I do agree with you that you know just because this ain't tom aspinall anymore doesn't mean that all of a sudden arlovsky's gonna come out here looking like sunny liston or any shit like that you know this ain't the ben rothwell fight anymore um and i'm curious to see you know chase sherman's always had great leg kicks they are kind of those traditional thigh kicks i want to see if now he's starting to catch up with the times maybe start to go to the calf a little bit because this fight could go either way. I'm going to lean Arlovsky. I think he's the better fighter here, but, you know, Chase is 10 years younger. He's the underdog. He's got a path to victory. Maybe he's still on the Flintstone vitamins. Maybe he found a new masking agent. Who knows? So it could go either way, but uh, I'll go Arlovsky uh, via close, close decision here. Co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got Drakkar close. He's 11-2. and two. He's taking on Jeremy Stevens, who's 28-18. and 18. Currently, they got Jeremy Stevens minus 125. The comeback on Drakkar Close is plus 105. So, Shaq, you know how I told you about my history um, fading uh, fading Arlovsky? I got to tell you about my history fading uh, Jeremy. Henato Moicano at plus 185 odds against uh, against Jeremy. Yair Rodriguez minus 105. And then I max bet Max Holloway against him. I also bet Yair at the time when it was a 15-second eye poke. So, I've been pretty good at fading uh jeremy stevens and because the blueprint's been laid out on how to beat him you know for a long ass time it's basically you out volume him you get to the scorecards and you win i mean look you'll always be able to have a puncher's chance i mean jeremy stevens has some of the most vicious knockouts in ufc history and there was a little stretch there where he stopped being a meathead for a little bit and he was actually touching instead of you know throwing haymakers every single strike like you remember when he fought gil melendez and he threw over 255 strikes and he's starting to get a little bit more of a volume I mean, style like i mean i'd hope so if you're fighting gilbert melendez 
it, it was nice <laughs> to see that Jeremy could throw over 250 strikes in a fight. Like, I didn't think that was possible. So that was good to see. But then, you know, he got back to his meathead ways and now, you know, back on a skid. Um, the thing with Drakkar, though, is like Drakkar has always been kind of underwhelming, in my opinion, but he's like solid and he finds ways to win these close fights. And he's the underdog here. You don't have to lay chalk on him. I think if he doesn't get knocked out, he can do the same thing. He's got a good calf kick game. He's got good wrestling. He's a little bit of a bully. I see it being close. I, I think it could go either way. I understand why people are taking Stevens. He's fought the better competition. He's more experienced. The blueprint's there, though, on how to beat him. And Jakar can come out here with that volume style, those calf kicks, make it to the scorecards, and you win. So I'm going to go with the upset. Uh, Jakar close, but, you know, like I said, I've been underwhelmed with him at times, so it's not like the most confident pick in the world, but I, I do think Drakkar edges the decision here. Man, this is a good fight. You know, I was at coming into it, I was thinking Drakkar was very live, but man, I was kind of underwhelmed by the tape a little bit too. I think a lot of his fights are close. Um, uh, besides the Venado one, um, pretty much all of his fights are, but they're against like solid guys, like dangerous guys, like. Even though Christos Giagos might not be that good, he is big, strong. I mean, dude hits like a truck. Um, his fight with Mark DeCasey back in the day, that was a big upset. Um, he beat down Venata. There was a uh, Bobby Green. I mean, he's got some um, some good wins, all close fights. But he's more, technically speaking, he's not very good. Um, like, technical boxing, like, you know, he's got the calf. He, he's got the calf kicks, and he throws the calf kick pretty much every other comp, like, Every other strike, he throws that calf kick. Uh, you know, he comes from that the the camp the camp that invented that. So, um, you know, that was his original camp. What I don't like with Jakar is I heard he left fight ready. He's training at some other gym in Arizona. Um, so, you can know, I comment uh, on that real quick? Uh, let me yeah. just comment on that. So, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I heard an interview with with Jakar. Um, he actually did O'Malley's podcast, and he said the reason he left fight ready was because Eddie Cha kind of put too many ideas in Drakkar's head. Drakkar said, I'm a thinker. I think too much. And if you put too many ideas in my head, my brain gets overwhelmed. Whereas at this new gym, they kind of um, just let him do his thing. They don't overload his brain. He said it was just a better fit for him. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, I honestly think that if Jeremy Stevens was closer in his prime, he, this is a fight he, he wins, honestly. Um, I mean, the thing you can't you can't forget about Jeremy. Look at the competition the guy's been fighting in comparison to Jakar Close. Jakar Close is one of his more greener, uh, not greener opponents, but lesser opponents that he's fought in Owami. Mean, he's going up against the Yairs, the Calvin Katars, the the Holloways. I mean, Jeremy Steven, he's up there with like Dos Anjos and Pettis in terms. He knocked of, out Dos Anjos. But in terms of like you know toughest uh, toughest strength of schedules i mean jeremy stevens is up there with uh anybody with the because i think pettis and dosanos have had like the toughest like just consecutive fights like in a row i think jeremy stevens is right up behind those guys so um he never gets a this is honestly in my opinion his uh the easiest opponent that he's had on paper in a in a while since like man in a while um Look, I think that Jeremy's had some time off to him. We know he can't make 45s anymore. And I'm glad he can't make 45s because you know who his opponent was for his last fight at 145? That's almighty Arnold Allen. And I think we know who uh, – we, we know how that fight would have went. And, and I don't blame Jeremy for for uh, escaping that fight, man. I don't blame it at all. So, man, as far as this fight with Jakar, man, Jakar makes a lot of dumb mistakes. He gets hit a lot, but he's tough, and he moves forward, and he's a bully. I don't know if you can necessarily – bully jeremy stevenson what about that man and that calvin Katar fight for a few minutes there i mean jeremy was taking it to calvin um he missed weight for that fight apparently he said eric del fiero told him to pull out of the fight and he didn't listen um and you know he paid the price he said eric del fiero was telling him jeremy you know you got a lot of shit he's got some personal shit with his mom going on and you know he, he told him to pull out of the fight and he didn't <laughs> This is a surprising pick, man, but I'm actually going to take Little Heathen for the win here. I think Jakar Close is one of the lesser opponents that he's fought in a while. I think there's levels to this, and I think that and I think that he's got better hands. I think that uh, Jakar Close, honestly, is a little bit of a meathead. Um, I mean, but I didn't like the way he sounded in his interview personally this week. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen that, but, you know, I mean, look, Jeremy might be for real, but dude just... 
dude, I mean, he does this. So he did this before Dariush too, and I thought it was funny. You know, he was saying he was like, you know. Darius has no chin. He, he's old. I mean, you know, he was like saying all this shit. And then, you know, he got knocked out the way he did. And he's kind of doing it again. I mean, I thought he could have been a little bit more respectful about I mean, Jer look, I know Jeremy Stevens got the most losses in the UFC, but um, when you look at that strength of schedule, man, it makes sense. I mean, when you don't get any easy fights, uh, I mean, Jakar Close is like the easiest fight that he's had, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I'm going with Jeremy Stevens by vicious knockout here on uh, Saturday night. And, and I think we're going to see a classic little heathen stiffening in there. And, you know, Dana White might get him another car, a 50K bonus. You know, you know, he loves Jeremy Stevens. You know, he loves when Jeremy Stevens knocks somebody out. So I think uh, I think Jeremy's is due for a knockout and I think he's going to get it. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the former champion Robert Whitaker. He's twenty-two and five. He's taking on Kelvin Gastelum, who's seventeen and six. Currently, they got Robert Whitaker minus two sixty-five. The comeback on Kelvin Gastelum is plus two twenty-five. So, the first time they were supposed to fight um, was actually the same night that Holly and Piva fought Kaikara France. I bet Holly and Piva plus two twenty. I bet Kelvin plus two twenty-five. Holly and lost a controversial decision and the Kelvin fight got canceled. So I was pretty pissed off about that. But the reason I bet on Kelvin that night, um, firstly, I think Robert Whitaker is fantastic. I think he's an amazing fighter. I think he might even straight up be the better fighter here between him and Kelvin. It's just because you give me plus 200 odds on Kelvin against anyone in the middleweight division. And I think that Kelvin's a guy who shows up for the big fights. And I mean, I was in attendance when he gave Izzy Adesanya his <laughs> toughest fight. I mean, all three judges had a two to two going into the fifth round uh, when he, he fought. He, he didn't give the easiest, toughest fight. Well, you're going to say Marvin did when yeah, yeah right. My boy Marvin, man, don't, don't disrespect the Italian dream like that. Mar Marvin was getting his, <laughs> his shit pushed in for two rounds. Listen, what was, uh, what was, what was, Kelvin got his shit pushed in. <laughs> in round five. In round five, he did 100%. But prior to that, it was two to two. Between no one else has gotten a two to two with uh, Izzy. Between you and me, it was three one. All, all three judges had a two two. So, you know, he was two two going into the fifth round. I, he put on a great fight there. I mean, I think that, you know, the title fight let down the next fight with Till. It's not like he really got his ass beat. They kind of clinched. Till landed the better shots. He looked a little unmotivated for that fight. Next fight, I thought he showed up versus Jack. Got caught. Was what it was. Next fight versus Ian. He needed to do whatever it, uh, whatever it takes to get a win. I mean, three, uh, three L's in a row. That's desperation time. He did exactly what he needed to do. Now, I think here for Whitaker, I think he's going to be super motivated. I think he's going to show up for this fight. Whitaker is the better fighter all across the board, no, no doubt about it. But listen, Whitaker fights with his hands down. And again, it's all about the price for me. You know, if Whitaker was a slight favorite, no big deal. But plus 200, I know Kelvin's going to come out here and fight. He had an 100% knockdown rate up until the Darren Till fight, meaning he dropped every single opponent. He fought at 185 pounds until he fought uh, Darren Till. I think he'd come out here and put on a serious fight, man. I have seen Whitaker get dropped in the Darren Till fight. I saw him get wobbled against Cannoneer. Now, granted, he looked amazing against Cannoneer. And, again, if this was minus 150 Whitaker, I'd probably be going with him here. But since I get a plus 225 on Kelvin, I, I got to go with him. I know he's going to fight for my money here. This is the fight he'll show up for. He's not going to show up late. He's not going to miss. He's not going to miss weight by ten pounds like he did against Tyron Woodley. He's not going to lay an egg like he did against Darren Till. He's actually if he loses here, it's because Whitaker is the better man. It's not because Kelvin showed up lazy. He is showing up for this fight. I got Kelvin Gastelum to to catch the great Robert Whitaker somewhere along the way. So let's go. Yeah, I got uh, Robert Whitaker in this one, man. I think that he's just too sharp for a guy like Gaslam at this stage. I like Gaslam, uh, a legend of the middleweight division, but I see a lot of openings, man. I In his Ian Heinrich fight, look, he did his thing for sure with the wrestling, but in the striking, you know, I, I saw a lot of openings. I, I see a guy that lifts his head back, you know, kind of similarly got him in trouble in the uh, in the uh, Adesanya fight. Um, you know, I agree with the till, the till take. I, I think that fight was honestly – just a sparring match and, uh, you know, till slightly landed more shots. Um, but at the same time, you know, you know, uh, Robert Whitaker fought till a uh, more engaged till. And, you know, they had a very high level chess match. And I, I like the way Robert Whitaker did that. I think Kelvin definitely has a puncher's chance, but I see Whitaker landing more numbers. I think he has sharper counters. Um, and I just like his attitude, man, since this, uh, 
since this Adesanya fight, man. I, he's he's not talking shit. He's just putting his head down and he's going to work and he's fighting the best guys in the world. And he and he's absolutely showing there's a difference between you know Robert Whitaker and the rest of the division, man. So I think he's gonna come out here do the same thing on. Saturday and actually finish Kelvin Gaslam. I know Gaslam hasn't really been finished in his career, but I see some openings for that right high kick for that uh for that uh straight right as well. Um and I think Kelvin's kind of lazy in his defense a little bit, man. Of course he could come a little bit more engaged. We'll see. Um like I said, he's got a puncher chance, but I definitely see this fight getting finished, you know, in under four rounds. And I and I and I see uh Ridiker getting his hand raised. Someone said, y'all just going to forget about Jan Blahovic. Uh, I was talking about 185 pounds. We, we already know Jan Blahovic did his thing at 205 against Izzy. Like, we don't, we don't even got to bring that up. Um, I was referring to Kelvin being his toughest fight at 85. So, just for uh, my boy who brought that up. But yeah, no, great breakdown. I mean, I can see it going either way. Whitaker should be favored here. He should win this fight. I just think that you give me plus 200 against Kelvin against anyone in the division. He's going to come to fight. So, let's see what happens. Um, normally we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, but I got to get out of here. So thank you guys very much for joining us. Thank you, Shaq. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Real quick, though, before we go, quick Bellator picks uh, for three fights. Just just give a pick. You don't even have to give reasoning. Paul Daly, Sabaho Masi, who you got? Um, Paul Daly. I got Paul Daly as well. Corey Anderson versus um, Yakshi Muradov. Who you got? Corey. I'm going to go Yakshi Muradov for the upset. Phil Davis, Vadim Nemkov, who you got? Nemkov. I got Nemkov as well. Just don't gas out. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you check out our sponsor, Manscaped at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to BestFightPicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available, we truly appreciate it. We'll be back next week for the next card. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.